We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. This is St. Louis on the Air, and I'm Don Marsh. Some of the history of the World War II is still being written, and some of the chapters are right here in St. Louis. When Americans liberated Holland in September of 1944, many of the GIs were African-American. Some, like their white counterparts, are still there, buried at Netherlands American Cemetery and Memorial. The people of the Netherlands take their gratitude seriously and are now trying to learn more about the black GIs buried in their country, including some from St. Louis. One young Dutch historian is currently in St. Louis doing research. Sebastian Vonk was in our studio yesterday to tell us about his project. We are looking into the contributions of African-American soldiers um, to the liberation of the country during World War II. Um, we know that many of them served in the country, in our country at that time. Um, but unfortunately, we have almost no stories, no recollections. Um, so we have come here to the United States to, to hopefully um, get some more information. Why are you specifically looking into the background of the African-American soldiers? It's been really something that has been unknown in um, the Netherlands. Um, of course, in the United States, um, we had the civil rights movement, racial segregation, but that was not an issue in the Netherlands. So it was not a story that was being told. Um, and there are a lot of veterans coming over each year, but the African-American veterans, unfortunately, have not been coming over a lot. Um, like I said, the stories are almost unknown. Um, so that's something that we... I guess you could say want to get fixed um, and make sure that also their stories are told and also that their service is being honored. You have a number of them who are buried in the, uh, in the cemetery. Uh, you know who they are. Yeah. So indeed, um, one cemetery is an enormous American cemetery in the country. Um, more than 8,000 American soldiers have been buried there. Um, 1,700 missing in action are memorialized there. And 172 of them are African-American soldiers. Um, their race code was um, put on their burial certificate, so in that way we have been able to identify them. And that's indeed one of the, is a group of soldiers that we're looking into, hopefully to get more information about. What, what specifically uh, are you looking for? What kind of information? Anything. We really try to recollect um, their whole life, you know, from birth to, to, to the end. Um, so it's not just about the military part. Um, what was their life like? Um, pre prior to the war um, in St. Louis and elsewhere in the United States. Uh, we know that six soldiers came from St. Louis and surrounding counties like um, New Haven. Um, so yeah, we hope, in, in the end, we hope that we are able to find relatives um, who are willing to share that story with us um, so that we can tell it and, and put it out to the world. Do you have this kind of detailed information about the, the, the white soldiers? Yeah, yeah. Um, what we see is that we have a lot more information on um, the white soldiers indeed. We have, it's easier to trace photos, it's easier to trace relatives. Um, for example, in the case of the American cemetery, what makes it um, special is that local people have adopted all the graves um, in the cemetery. And so many people correspond with the families back in the United States and have been doing so since the war. Um, but in case of the African-American soldiers, we have knowledge of maybe five families of the 172. Um, only 
about 20 pictures. Um, so again, we see here that we have so little information right now. Um, and, and again, we hope to change that. What does uh, adopting the, the soldiers and these graves actually mean? Right. So it started right after the war. So people from all over um, the province would come down to the cemetery and bring flowers. And then sort of the ID started to adopt the graves. Um, so people go to the cemetery once in a while, uh, to the grave they have adopted and bring flowers uh, to make sure that these soldiers are not forgotten. Um, and like I said, it's been going on since 1945. Um, there are really cases of families who keep passing on those graves, you know, from son to daughter, and it goes on and on. Um, and I guess for the families, it's just a kind of comfort knowing that someone yeah, goes visit those graves when they can't. Seems to be a, a, a significant amount of gratitude on the part of the Dutch people for the liberation. That's certainly understandable, but it seems a little bit above and beyond. Yeah. Um, I think everywhere you go, you will find monuments. People are still trying to, you know, fill in the gaps. This particular crew or that particular soldier um, we really try to make sure that every victim, every casualty is recognized. Um, actually, last week near where I live, they um, revealed a new monument um, for a uh, American bomber crew that downed there um, 74 years ago, 75 even. Um, mm. And they wanted to make sure that that crew was not forgotten. You know, I, I think uh, in looking back on the history of World War II and at the end of the war, there are so many, uh, so many incidents and events that uh, are are so much better known than the liberation of your country. It's mm. just not talked about very much here. Yeah, yeah, I think, and I have talked to a lot of Americans, and when they go to Europe, because many Americans yeah. do also to do to to tour those uh, battlefields, they are just amazed by how it's still remembered and how that history still lives on. Um, you know, I think Americans do have that gratitude for the uh, servicemen, but um, what I notice when I talk to them, they have a hard time understanding or like seeing how much still is being done um, in Europe, yeah. Uh, when, I, when I think of that period of time, I think of the uh, invasion at Normandy, D-Day, and I think of the Battle of the Bulge, and I think of the liberation of, uh, of Berlin, if you will, yeah. but I don't think about the liberation of the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, it's really those key operations, um, D-Day, of course, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. Well, let's come back to the research. How are you conducting the research? What uh, formula are you following to learn what you can? Yeah, so um, in this day and age, of course, a lot is being put online. So there are online archives like Ancestry, mm -hmm. uh, which has the census records of the United States, um, some of the service records. So that's the first step. Um, but now I'm here actually in St. Louis because the National Archives are here. So here they keep the military records for all service personnel um, of the United States. Um, so we're getting that. Um, and thirdly, um, just in any way we can, we try to reach out to local organization and people in a hope that someone knows um, one of the soldiers. Yeah, um, that's very meticulous work to do, but um, yeah. What, what have you found so far here? Um, well, this week we got an email from the, uh, the Historical Society of a nearby county, and they had in their collection, so um, this was a soldier from New Haven, a American Legion post sign uh, with his name. So this uh, soldier, Le Leroy Camp, um, they named a African-American uh, American Legion post just after the war uh, after him. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one of the things. Um, 
I've been able to get a lot of records on one of the St. Louis soldiers, um, and he should have a son that's still alive. So that would be great if we can uh, reach him. So yeah, we get a few pieces of the puzzle um, coming in right now. Kind of like detective work, isn't it? If you have the identity, but then you have to track down family members. I think that's also the you know, what makes it so amazing to do. It's every time you get a little piece of the puzzle, it gives new leads and then you go on um, searching and searching. But yeah, it takes a lot of time to have that whole puzzle um, together, yeah. Uh, of the six that you know are from St. Louis, you really only have learned about one, is that correct? Um, yeah, so indeed the most information that we have is on Julius Morris. Um, he serves with, um, First, a truck company, but was then volunteered to serve with the infantry and was killed in April 45. Um, we have a photo of him. Um, I was able to get his burn. They were burned, but the uh, record still existed. Um, so we have a lot on him. Um, and like I said, Leroy Camp, he was from New Haven. But um, yeah, that's also someone we have a photo of now and some information. Are you the only per person working on this? Um, no. I mean, I do sort of the general research and coordinate a little bit, but um, we really need also those boots on the ground, I would say. You know, we have a few people here now um, that are really enthusiastic about the project and are reaching out to organizations. Um, so we hope to build that network and um, get the information in that way. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not clear on the number of uh, identities. We well, have the identities, but the number... Uh, of uh, soldiers about whom you have information. Of 172, uh, how many are left to, uh, to gather information on? Um, pretty much everyone, because we really only got some basic information, but we do not yet have the sort of the life story from birth to end. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have pieces of the puzzle, but, uh, and sometimes we have more pieces, but yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done, yeah. Well, you can't be everywhere, and the people you're working with can't be everywhere. What would you like people to know if they feel that they have someone that close to them that uh, that died uh, liberating your country? What can they do to contact you? Well, in case of the African Americans, we have a website that's called blackliberators.nl um, that has some information about the project, but also our email address. Um, so if they could reach out to that. Um, that's basically the yeah. only way to contact. Yeah. And how much time are you going to spend here uh, doing this work? Uh, I've been here now for a week and a half. Um, so I've been to a conference, and now I am all day in the archive, scanning as much files as I can, um, and then heading on to Philadelphia to do some research there as well. Um, so in total, it'll be two and a half weeks in the United States for research. Doesn't sound like much time, given the amount of work that has to be done. Uh, yeah, I, I also kind of underestimated it. Um, just the number of files I've been able to get from the archives, even though there was a big fire in 1973. I remember it well. Uh, it's much more than I thought. Um, but actually, I happened to meet some people there who were also doing work in Margrad and Americans. Um, so um, hopefully they can do some of the work for me when I'm back in the, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, but yeah, it's sometimes overwhelming, yeah. Assuming you get the kind of information you need on most, if not all, of these uh, soldiers, what happens then? Where will this go? How will it be represented in your country? Right. So um, one thing that's going to happen is there will be a traveling exhibition in the Netherlands on the African-American contribution to the liberation. Um, I'm working on a book with the life stories, and we hope also to make a documentary 
um, uh, out of it. Uh, and there's going to be also an American book. Um, so there's a lot, um, yeah, a lot will come out of this um, research, hopefully. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back to the time that I spent in Europe, and uh, I, I suspect that when your country was liberated and Dutch people were seeing black Americans for the first time, what do you think their reaction to, to that was? Yeah, that's interesting, because we have been talking to a few eyewitnesses, um, and what surprised them was the racial segregation, because the army maintained the racial yeah. segregation at home, and um, there are stories that people were like, they were told that they shouldn't be inviting African-American soldiers, they should be careful of them, and whatever, and the people were like, no, um, these are our friends, they are welcome in our homes. Uh, we have a photo of an African-American soccer team playing against locals. Mm-hmm. Um, that all happened, but for them it was, why? Why is this? Why is the racial segregation and why do you treat your fellow uh, countrymen like that? Um, and that was something that was not really known, of course, uh, among the people before the troops um, came to the Netherlands. Uh, one of the things they saw, if I remember correctly, was the fact that the the black American GIs slept in the fields while uh, the whites did not. They had better accommodations. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes when they actually had good accommodations, they were sent out of them as soon as white soldiers arrived. Um, that also happened in the case of that they were staying in a castle and then uh, white troops came in and they said, leave. Um, yeah, those stories are widely documented through witnesses, yeah. Our time is winding down. Is there anything else you want our audience to know about what you're doing and how they can help? We just appreciate any help. We have the names of all 172 on the website, uh, blackliberators.nl, also uh, which state we're from, including Missouri and uh, St. Louis, of course. And, you know, what we need is people who are able to go to a historical society, to a school, to a library, to do the work and go through the files and see if there's anything uh, on those soldiers that would be just most helpful. Dutch historian Sebastian Vonk. By the way, he is no relation to former St. Louis Symphony director Hans Vonk. We thought he might have been, but no. You can learn more about his project and his website at stlpublicradio.org. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. KWMU.